They're the worst team in college football. The quarterback's too old. I hope he gets younger as he gets closer. The tackle's too hip. Hey, little doggy, you about to get fixed. And the center's got a crush on the kicker. But if you can win with your mouth, the armadillos will be national champs. I've been waiting for you. You should be waiting for the guy to cut your hair. Necessary Roughness, rated PG-13. You like it, the juice? Like it. Okay. George, I know you're a big Taylor Swift fan. Uh, and, and okay. <laughs> did you ever think that maybe, maybe it's you? Maybe the problem is you. Uh, you got it. This well, this is a Fed situation where I've wanted to watch Necessary Roughness for a long time. Uh, turns out it's a completely mediocre piece of shit that also has well, let's, Senator let's... Fred Thompson in it for some random reason. Let's drill down on that because I got. I understood Feds. I mean, it sucked, and it was a bad movie and a bad choice, but I understood why both of us were vaguely interested in watching this, or watching that. I, why, why this? Why were you so excited to watch this movie? Um, this movie, on paper, and in principle, has one of the greatest ensemble casts ever assembled. There are actors in this movie that are giving it their fucking all, and I commend them for it. Robert Loja. I could end there, but I'll keep going. Larry fucking Miller. Okay, Need when I you say add perfect Sinbad. Need I add Jason Bateman, Kathy Ireland, Rob Schneider. Did we mention Senator Fred Thompson appears in this film? Evander Did you Hector Elizondo? Dick Butkus, and of course, Hector Elizondo. See, that's the thing. When you say be- best cast, you mean for us and our weird sensibilities that we've established time and time again are wrong and bad. Well, first off, welcome to Saturday Night Live. We talk about Saturday Night Live and Saturday Night Live related movies. Rob Schneider gives an Academy Award worthy performance in Necessary Roughness from 1991, which brings us here today. Uh, no, as mediocre as this movie was, and I did not enjoy this film. Uh, I didn't hate this movie. It's, but it's like it's a sports underdog comedy, which is usually something I fucking love. And this has a premise that right on, uh, right away, I was on board. Uh, college football. Uh, scandal leaves all the uh, players expelled. They have to fire all of the coaches. And then Hector Elizondo, who has made his football career on being the most honest and integral person who's ever played the sport, is hired to rebuild this college football team uh, with, a, you know, just a bunch of fucking randos, uh, you know, misfits and oddballs. That's a fucking movie that I want to watch. But this movie is so mediocre. Like, it's not, like, funny like Major League. It's not dramatic like Hoosiers. It's in a middle ground of just who gives a fuck. That's it. Nobody gives a fuck. I was trying to find, because, like, this does seem like a movie that, like, you'd hear people talk about as, like, a hidden gem. I found nothing on this. Nobody gives a shit. 
Nobody should give a shit. It's necessary roughness. Why did we watch it? We watched it because of fucking Rob Schneider. Did we learn nothing from Surf Ninjas? But Rob Schneider, I I was going to say MVP of the movie, but I don't know. I liked Robert Loja. As mediocre and as banal as this film is, Larry Miller. Every time Larry Miller was on screen as the evil Dean who hates him some football real bad. Inexplicably. (laughs) Inexplicably hates football. Never gives a reason. Never. It's just like it's established early on. Like, I just don't like football. And then he's like, I want the team. to Because you could like not like football, but like still understand that as the Dean of a university, it's a thing. And you just got to begrudgingly support it. Why does he want the team to not exist? It makes absolutely no sense. Because this team, before the football scandal, won the college championship. So you would think, like, you know, this isn't like a B-level college with a football team. This is like a Big Ten university. You'd think that brings in some money for the college. So as much as you hate football, you have to, like, do your fucking job and support the school that you work for, right? Well, and also... The, so the, the, the idea is like the, the, the previous regime was so fucking corrupt that they – I guess that's based on like a real story that happened like around that time. Some some college got – I read it like a death penalty thing. Uh, but like he had to be involved in that then, right? Larry the, there's no way the dean – yeah, there's no way the dean didn't know that the, the football team – if he hated football that much – and his football team was that corrupt, and it just happened like under his nose, and he never. And that, like now, all of a sudden, he's like, "I hate football enough that I'm gonna sabotage the team now that it's trying to be honest." I know that's a good point. Also, like this team doesn't need sabotaging. <laughs> yeah, just let them suck. They're gonna. I mean, <laughs> did they win the championship at the end, or did they just win a game? They won one tell. single game. Like, I don't think that's a joke. I, you know, I guess it's a victory that this team came from nothing and won a single game. But at the end of the movie, the triumphant football game is their only win of the season. They have lost every single game. They tied one game. And then the last game of the season, they are playing like, you know, the the best team in the league or something. So it means something to them personally. But no, they just, that was the only game they've won all season. And they're like, hooray! And again, I don't think that's that's a joke. I was trying to understand it because they treat it as if we just won the season. And it's like, I'm I'm pretty sure I was watching the movie and you didn't. No, (laughs) they've won one game by a single point. And, but that's a victory for them. You know, it's, they, they, rags from riches. They came from nothing and they got something. I guess... I just, I couldn't be bothered. This movie, it didn't do, like, the essential job of, like, establishing, like, the wacky cast of characters. I know, there's a like, karate man on the team. And a rugby guy? Like, there's all this, like, on paper, there is all the stuff you want. There's, like, I think there's two, like, twins that hate each other. It's just that they don't spend any time. Like, who was the guy at the very end that scores the the, the touchdown? <sighs> He he was just because the movie seemed to think I would know who he was, and I didn't fucking know who he was. Yeah, he's barely in the movie. Uh, he's just, but like they they kind of establish him in little parts where, like, you know, there was one scene where like everybody's chewing tobacco, and then he tries to chew tobacco, but he like gets sick right away. So they kind of establish him throughout the movie as like you know the 
just the nerdy, like the, the most useless person on the team. But he's the guy who catches the ball at the end. But they didn't do a good job of that. Because, yeah, it is. They do set up little bits where you think like, oh, this is going to be, you know, police academy on the football field. Or like just follow the fucking template of Major League, which did this exact same movie way better. Because um, you got, you know, a karate guy. You got the, uh, the twins. Um, you got the. Uh, and then you got fucking Sinbad. <laughs> when, when Scott Bakula meets Sinbad. Who is a professor at the school? Like they could have done so many fun things with this. They're hiring. They're putting professors. Scott Bakula is their quarterback. He's a guy who dropped out of uh, high school, uh, got his GED because his dad uh, died, so he had to take over the family farm. So he's still eligible to play. Sinbad's a professor. You could have gotten people just like off the streets, like. You know, when the convicts came in, I was like, well, what if one of the convicts, like, joins the team? If a fucking Evander Holyfield's on the Necessary Roughness team now. They could have done so much with this, but they just kind of squander all of it. I was so excited when fucking Sinbad joined the team. And it adds nothing. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why that can't happen. For the same reason why Scott Bakula and Sinbad shouldn't be on the team. Because the fucking central premise of this movie is this has to be the cleanest team no shenanigans and the first thing they do is like hey you're a 32 year old man but technically you can you can apply for college and be a freshman because you never were before and sinbad you had one more year of eligibility even though you're a fucking teacher the fact that they're on the team completely delegitimizes the whole idea of Hector Elizondo being like, I'm going to play this straight. Uh, hey, Those are like fucking cheaty, gimmicky picks. There's nothing in the rule book that says Sinbad can't be play football. <laughs> but it's the spirit of the, You think that Hector Elizondo's character would be like, maybe it's not against the rules, but it's against the spirit of what we're trying to do. The whole thing was, we're going to field a team from legitimate students. Not fucking teachers or 32-year-olds that you convinced to sign up just to be on the team. Because that's the whole thing, is like the prior team was probably just like recruits that they just, you know, let's skate. They're just doing the same fucking thing with Scott Pacula and Sinbad. I know. And they have, at the very beginning of the movie, there's like a, not a training montage, but it's like, you know, Hector Elizondo is getting the team together and it's just a school-wide tryout. So they have, you know, just a bunch of like, nerdy guys trying out for football it was right there for you just this underdog sports comedy is just so easy to make there's so many templates out there you could just fucking mad libs any other sports comedy and i would watch it i would love it oh you know what that just occurs to me was the guy at the end the guy who was like the last guy from the prior team oh yeah they did establish that at the very beginning of Okay, now I remember that. It, this movie was so boring and mediocre that I forgot that they did set up that character. Yeah, well, and then, like, Jason, when Jason Bateman is introduced, it's like, I have a theory that maybe Jason Bateman had, like, a scheduling conflict and he missed, like, the first half of the movie. Because about 30 minutes in, they just zoom in on Jason Bateman's face in the locker room and he's like, hey, guys, let's win some games. And I'm like, wait, fucking Jason Bateman's in this? Well, because they... They referenced Jason Bateman, I think, before you saw him. They're talking about somebody who's like whose father is, has his name over all the buildings, like he's like a rich kid. And I thought they were talking about the guy 
Remember, there's like a guy with glasses who's like, I think like the backup quarterback who like freaks out and like, you know, pissy pees his pants anytime they, they, they bring him in. Yeah. I thought that was the guy they were referring to. But then it was Jason Bateman, who I don't remember them actually introducing him like in, like, yeah, he's just sort of like suddenly there. And I guess he was that guy. Yeah, no, that's very sloppy introduction to a character because they don't show Jason Bateman. And then when they do show him, it's like. I'm supposed to make the connection that that's the guy you were talking about eight scenes previously? I didn't make the connection until the scene where they're at the country club or whatever. And, yeah. oh, that's his dad. And it, that adds to absolutely nothing either. Like, there's so much shit that adds to nothing. Like I said, Sinbad joins the team and you're like, oh, I can't wait for some Sinbad shenanigans. There's no Sinbad shenanigans. He just tackles guys on the football field and not in a funny way. Like, you would think he could do it in a funny way. Uh, Jason Bateman's dad is rich. Uh, that adds to absolutely nothing. Kathy Ireland joins the team. She kicks one fucking field goal the whole film. Like, <laughs> they have a little whole thing of like, oh, there's going to be a woman on the team. Ooh, cat calls, whistles. But they barely do that in the film, except for the one locker room scene, which included the brief nudity that HBO Max promised me. Oh, wait, was Kathy Ireland naked in this? I know she was in the shower in the one scene, but it might be my version didn't... No, you... S- I didn't see brief nudity. No, you saw a butt. <laughs> Not Kathy Ireland's butt, some guy's butt. But I uh, I was trying to stream this movie, and it kept buffering, and then I, I found out it was on HBO Max, or now just Max. So I watched it there, uh, and when I turned it on, it was like, Necessary Roughness, Adult Content, Mild Violence, brief nudity and i'm like oh my god that's why i picked this movie i'm like kathy ireland's gonna get in the locker room and we're gonna see some side boob and butt but no brief nudity is one man's ass and for the record i like all the archetypes like even kathy ireland like that's a character that on paper works like oh you know they they don't have a kicker and they hire a, a female soccer player as their kicker but like I like make her something into anything like because they try to have like a little romance with her and the the big fat Hawaiian guy, but like it doesn't add nothing because nothing like they introduce elements and then like 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 with Jason Bateman oh all of a sudden uh, he's been uh, cheating and they need to have him study and then he just uh, he just studies and passes the test like in the next scene Probably. same with Kathy Ireland we need a kicker she kicks good. Oh, maybe she has. Maybe the guy has a crush on her. The next scene, they're dancing, and then it's what nothing like nothing is built or like exp, you know developed in any way. It's just sort of thrown at you. No, yeah, problem introduced and then problem immediately solved. Hector Elizondo has a heart attack, and now Robert Loja has to coach the team solo. Uh oh. Oh, don't worry. Hector Elizondo just had to take a big fart, and he's <laughs> all better Bacula. now. Uh, met a lady his own age, but she's a teacher, and she thinks he's a teacher, too. Uh, when's she gonna find out that he's really a student? Let's milk that for some drought. Nope, nope, next scene. Yeah. Literally the next fucking next scene. Next scene, and he's like, oh, yeah, sorry. And she's like, oh, okay, that's all right. <laughs> and yeah, and she's fine with it. And then, like, two scenes later, it's like, he just randomly shows up at her door because he needs medical attention, and instead of going to, like, the hospital, he went to that lady's house? <laughs> Can you patch up my head? It's like, I got a pretty nasty head wound. Can you help me, journalism teacher? We need to, to fucking front load this fucking romance, which I never bought at all. 
Uh, but yeah, so let's just have, and then, uh, yeah, it, I don't know. It, it just, it, it feels like the only thing that had any, any kind of merit as a story arc was Larry Miller. Like that had like m- enough beats to justify itself as like, you know, a thing sustained through the entire film. As, as, like I said, as I was watching this movie, I'm just like, is Larry Miller the greatest actor who has ever fucking lived? Cause yeah, his whole storyline as the evil Dean trying to usurp him. It's not in there enough, but every time he showed up, I'm like, I'm loving this movie now. And the same thing happened with Carrot Top and Chairman of the Board. I'm watching a terrible Carrot Top comedy. Larry Miller shows up. I'm like, A+. We got to go through Larry Miller's filmography and figure out how many evil deans he's played. Because... <laughs> It was this. I mean, he, there wasn't a dean in Chairman of the Board, but basically the same. But I think the Nutty Professor movies, he was an evil dean. Pretty sure he's an evil dean in the Nutty Professors. I just feel like it, like you need this, like, it's almost like, like a mafia subplot kind of thing, where it's just like, you need a character who is just inexplicably an antagonist. You don't need to explain it. Just, we, we, we've seen Animal, Animal House. The deans are always evil. It's like the joke in The Simpsons that they subvert in that episode, you know, but just played straight. And that's his entire career. Yeah, it's as soon as you see Larry Miller in a movie, you know, oh, he's going to try to uh, make the main character have a big downfall. Probably for no reason. Just spite, I guess. We gotta watch 10 Things I Hate About You. I think he's got like a like a... A slightly noble role in that movie. I think he's the main Isn't character's he like the, dad. Yeah, he's like the dad, but he's not. I don't think he's like an asshole. No, I think he's a good guy now. I got, I got nothing for this movie. We're seventeen minutes into this podcast. I have nothing else to talk about. Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't have it. Can we talk about? Um, well, another like uh, uh, introduction to a problem and immediate solution when they have the big bar fight. And then Larry Miller comes in and he's like, oh, I'm going to expel some people for bar fighting. But they're just like, oh, no, there was no bar fight. Uh, everything's, everything's gone. Okay, we're all friends now. Uh, that bar fight takes place at a bar called Billy Bob's. And Billy Bob's... I, I did not know this. <laughs> Billy Bob's is introduced as the only bar with an indoor bull riding, riding arena. An indoor bull? Did I miss a whole fucking scene? I didn't see anything like I don't remember this. As When they go to Billy Bob's, they show a guy bull riding. And then they show some people drinking. And then an announcer says, Welcome to Billy Bob's, the only bar with an indoor bull riding arena. And then they never mention it again. And you think if you're going to set a scene in that kind of I wonder, do you think that's a real place, maybe? That's what I'm curious about now. Because you would think, if I wrote a script... <laughs> You'd think the bull would escape during the hijinks when everybody's fighting that each other. That would get them in trouble fucking or Sinbad has to ride the bull. Or, or yeah, you know, hey, uh, our school's better than your school. Oh, yeah, well, Sinbad ch- challenges you to a bull riding fight. And then you have a fucking comic set piece for the ages. Because I would imagine if I wrote a script with a, a bar with a bullfighting ring or a bull riding ring uh, and they had to build that, I would have to justify why this bar needed a bull riding arena. So it had to have been like, oh, hey, this crazy bar has a bull riding arena. We got to put that in our movie. Okay, I'm less interested in the bull in this uh, establishment as I am uh, an actor 
who I, I looked up. His name is Tom White Knight. Did you look up this guy as I did? Oh, speaking of, uh, uh, much like the feds, remember how you were just uh, um, weirdly, perversely interested in the, the actor that played the longshoreman in that movie? Well, yeah, because he got a, a special credit during the opening credits. Well, I don't think Tom White Knight got a special credit in this movie, but Tom White Knight is the uh, the evil uh, quarterback of the evil team that comes back at the end. Uh, the guy with the hair lip and the flat top. Is it a hair lip? I I just I just put tiny face. I don't know what's going on with this fucker guy's head. Is, is this like a like a Robert Zadar thing? It, it, like he's got like a little like a big thick face and a really tiny or a big thick head and a little tiny face. Oh, yeah, he's a big old football player, dude. No, like fucking Evander Holyfield's in this. I he didn't have a tiny face with a big head. He's got a proportional face to his fucking giant head. This guy has a giant head and a little tiny baby face, and it was freaking me out the whole fucking movie. Oh, you know, sometimes when you're a baby, your uh, head grows faster than your face. Was like, do you know that? I don't know. He's a political guy. Uh, do you know Charlie Kirk? No. He's one of those fucking right wing fascist assholes. Uh, but the, the only thing that's notable about him is every time you see him, his face gets a little bit smaller. He's getting fatter, but his face isn't expanding along with the rest of his fat head. Well, yeah. And it's just like fascinating to watch. I think if you get a fat head, like, I don't think you can get a big old fat nose. But I just, I don't know. You, I think your face would grow proportional to the rest of your head. But for some people, it just doesn't. Yeah. And it's fucking cre- creepy. It's creepy as fuck. I. Uh, what about, about that fucking movie? Oh, so I did say Rob Schneider was the MVP of this film. Uh, it's not too often that we get an SNL alum doing his SNL catchphrase in a film. The Blake Man pitches a Sarge. The Sarge sure bumps into his own man. It's a fumble. Fumble liar. Yeah, I noticed because I had to look that up because this was this would have been like in the middle of his tenure. I was trying to think this had to be after uh, I was because for a second I was like, was this before he was on SNL? Was it did did the Richmeister start here? But no, it it was much obviously afterwards. Yeah, no, no, it's definitely stunt casting because and I it's like so. cheap how they do it so rob schneider is the announcer for all the football games but they established because i guess because of the scandal they can't really broadcast their games so rob schneider has to announce all the football games from a room by himself with no controls no other people in there which makes me think that they had rob schneider for one day and one day only they put him in a room and made him Say a bunch of shit. Oh, no, I, that's what I was assuming as well, because uh, it's not, I don't think it's at all the case now, but I know at the time, Lauren Michaels was very strict about letting uh, his cast members do other shit. Like, they had to do it, like, on their breaks. They, like, you know, they never gave them, like, days off do shit like david spade talked about that when they filmed like tommy boy and uh black sheep like they had to do that like during the breaks and it was like very strictly monitored like they could not miss an episode so i'm assuming that was true for rob schneider as well yeah no, he definitely did all of his work in a day uh but he does get to throw in some rich meister he's he calls them fumble fumble roonies but yeah you notice he's never interacting with any of the other characters so it's clearly just like you know 
Probably even like post-production shit. Uh, yeah, it could have been filmed after the fact even. Uh, I did get a laugh at the end of the film when they do win the game and Rob Schneider's just alone by himself pouring champagne on his head. I enjoyed yeah. and that. And you know what? And I'll I'll give it to this movie. It's not, even if it's not funny, I could understand, like, if you consider this, like, comfort food. Because it's very sort of low-key and nice. And it's like, you know, you, you as you're watching it, you never have any sense that it's not going to just turn out completely okay. And it's kind of, it's got a wholesome quality to it. It's the, this whole idea of, like, like Hector Elizondo at one point is like, uh, last time the this team was on this field, they... They won their their game, but they lost their dignity, and we're gonna get it back. And it's like it's that kind of movie. It almost feels like like Capra esque in a in a in a way, but like like a '90s Capra movie in the in the sense that like it's like it's trying to strive for some kind of moral code. So I could get that like if you if you're on that wavelength, but I just wanted fucking jokes, and I didn't get any fucking jokes in this movie. Yeah, no, it's it's never quite clear. Like I about twenty minutes into the film, <clears throat> probably even earlier than that. I was like, oh, this isn't going for, like, Major League. Like, it, that's not what this movie's doing. But, like, I but I didn't know what it was going for other than, yeah, just to be kind of a sweet film. Like, a sweet little underdog comedy. Uh, but, yeah, I wanted, like, you know, I wanted some shit to talk about. Uh, I, I will say, Robert Loja's halftime speech. A+. Plus. A-plus entertainment. Oh, yeah. Now, let's analyze what's been working for us. Not a goddamn thing's been working for us. Like, this goddamn suit doesn't work for me. And this stinking tie. And this goddamn shirt. It doesn't work for me. You know how to play winning hard-nosed football? You play football like Engineer played football. A guy who gave his life for this football team. He was a 140-pound halfback, and he played like a goddamn wild man. No, like a goddamn rampaging beast. And that's the way you gotta do it. You go out there, you tear your fucking heads off, and you shit down their necks. Let us pray. You know what I think this probably lies, and and you might like this movie better, the, the movie I'm gonna reference better than I do, but uh, have you ever seen Slapshot? Yeah. I feel like this is... And I wouldn't even say it's as good as Slapshot, but that's kind of the tone that I feel like it hits. Uh, not even. A Slapshot is more Major League tone. I, I think this is... But there's no, like, real jokes. Like, can you think of any, like, jokes? Or even, like, fun set pieces? Well, again, there's stuff that's, like, striving to be... Like, the bar fight scene is striving to be a fun set piece. It isn't accomplishing it. But, like, that's the kind of thing you would do in a movie like this. That's, like, a lot of stuff in this movie is, like, the kind of stuff you would do in a movie like this. Just lazy. Not even lazy. Just, yeah, very, like, low energy and just, you know, just not fun. Yeah, like, they need to, at one point, uh, they need to, like, practice or something. So Larry Miller sets up a scrimmage game with another uh, state thing or something, he says. But it's the state penitentiary. So a prison bus shows up and you get like Evander Holyfield and uh, two tall Jones and Dick Butkus and some old football players come out and they're convicts. And I'm like, oh, well, this might be fun. We'll see like, you know, prisoners uh, playing football with our our plucky underdogs. 
but they don't even show the fucking game. They just show the beginning and the ending of it. They're just like, hey, we're prisoners and we're tough. And then like one tackle and then they're like, oh, yeah, we kicked the shit out of them. It's like they don't even fucking well, follow yeah. through with the set pieces they, they introduce. There's stuff like, because there's a whole thing, they introduce it early on in the movie where Robert Loja has some like gimmicky play and he's like, let's do this play. And, and uh, Hector Elizondo's like, nah, we're not going to do that. Uh, and then at the end, they're like, do the gimmicky play. And that's the one that wins them the, the game. But I don't know enough about football to really understand what was novel about it. I was waiting for like, what is it? What You know, the end of fucking uh, Back to School where like <laughs> he jumps on like the different. I was waiting for some, like the, the football play equivalent to that, where it's like just something so fucking ridiculous and it wins. Yeah. But it's just like Scott Bakula, I guess, throws the thing to somebody else and then catches. Is it the fact that the quarterback caught the ball? It was something like that. But yeah, it wasn't like as creative. No, it should have been like, okay, yeah, Sinbad, you swing from the the field goal posts. And you spin around real, real fast. You'll cause a, a headwind. And then when I throw the ball, it'll get caught in that jet stream. Especially because we've already established that there's a guy on the team who's like, I was going to say a karate master, but he's like, they call him Samurai. And his whole thing is he just fucking flat out kicks people. But the problem is this movie is still trying to ground itself in some reality. So like he does that once and the ref's like, nope, you can't do that anymore. You know that fun thing that we introduced? (laughs) Nope, that's against the rules. He's out. Like, just let, I mean... Let him fucking kick people. That was fun. Yeah, I didn't quite understand that. They're like, all right, yeah, we'll put Karate Man in the game. And then one play, Karate Man karate chops somebody. And they're like, oh, yeah, we can't put Karate Guy on the team. (laughs) Like, that may have been, like, if they would have set that up as a joke, that would have been great. You know, like, throughout the movie, every during every practice, Karate Man kicks a man in the face. And they're like, yeah, but this guy's just too, he has to be just on the bench. And then they have to put him in the game, and they're like pinning all their hopes on him. But then he kicks a guy in the face. And they're like, yeah, no, we probably shouldn't have put him in the game. Oh, yeah, it's just that it's the wackiness that is sorely missing from this. Like the the guy that he can't catch the ball. I guess he's he's probably going to catch the ball at the end. And that's it. That's all you get. Like, there's a. But you could. I'm thinking. I'm, I'm going back to. A movie that I can't remember. I think we liked it, right? The, the was it the replacements? No, or the what was the David, David Kettner? The comebacks, the comebacks. It, this movie needed to be that, and it it wasn't that. Yeah, no, um, I don't think I got anything else. <laughs> oh wait, the last uh, shot of the film. Larry Miller's about to get assassinated by oh, the mascot. Oh yeah. Well, first, we've got to set it up because uh, throughout the whole thing, Larry Miller, who's also desperately trying to fuck Scott Bakula's teacher love interest because he sees her as a kindred spirit. I think he see- thinks that they both hate football equally. Yeah, and that uh, was and then, fun. And then he approaches her because uh, at one point she's graded all of their papers um, because I guess conveniently they all, t- they all take her class. And she's like, no, they all passed. I, and I'm not giving them special treatment. They passed fair and square. And he's like, what if I grade them and I give them shitty scores? And she's like, well, if you do that, I'm just going to report you and you know, they're not going to matter. But he does it anyway. And then he goes up to Fred Thompson. 
I'm not quite clear who or what Fred Thompson is. He's relative to because if he's the D, if Larry Miller's the dean, what is Fred Thompson? I don't know. Fred Thompson, maybe he's the president. Because Fred Thompson ultimately fires Larry Miller. He has the authority to fire him. I don't really know why he does in the context of it. Because what seems to happen is Larry Miller's like, hey, I graded these papers and uh, there's some discrepancies here. I think these people need to be, be kicked off the team. Which, from what we know of Fred Thompson, he's all on board with, with that if it's not stuff's not above board. But then the team fucking just physically assaults Larry Miller and like attacks him and Fred Thompson's just like well that settles it Larry Miller you're fired even though I just watched them do this thing that they should not have done I think Senator Fred Thompson knows that Hector Elizondo gets results and when he sees Larry Miller trying to uh, usurp Hector Elizondo he steps in that's what a good senator does but in that, in any other movie, that would have been the last scene of Larry Miller. He gets tackled, he's on the ground, he's all, whatever, and he gets fired. But yeah, no. Then they just cut to him and sitting on the bench, and the mascot for the, what are they, was it the Armadillo mascot, or was it the other team mascot? No, I think it was the Armadillo. He just randomly pulls out a gun, and just points it right at Larry Miller's head. And it's just like, and that's it. That's the, the last shot of the movie. And it's a freeze frame on Larry Miller with a gun to his head. And he gives a look like, yeah, this was bound to happen to me. <laughs> Old evil Larry Miller was going to get shot in the head one of these days. And I think there's a, there's a thing to this movie. Like, it's filmed well. Like, it, it like, rather, not, well, like, it... I feel like it does its job aesthetically. Like, that last scene where everybody's celebrating feels like, you know, it like like what this movie should have been. Like, it's it's got, like, an uplifting kind of feel to it. Like, everybody's celebrating. But you just didn't get the setup to it where, like, I give a shit about any characters to, to make that matter to me. Yeah. Uh, these All these characters, I mean, you can either go real with it or you can go cartoon with it. All these characters needed to be cartoon characters, and then it would be more fun. Or all these characters needed to be real people that you could sympathize with when they fail and root for when they win. But, like, Scott Bakula is our main character. Like, I mean, we know a little bit about him, but, like, we don't... Who the fuck cares about him? Also, Scott Bakula. One of the most boring lead performances I've ever seen in a film. Here's the thing about Scott Bakula. I'm a I'm a Scott Bakula fan. I'm a big Quantum Leap fan. I'm a Star Trek fan who happens to think that Enterprise is, a, is an underrated show that a lot of Star Trek fans give short shrift to. Uh, but yeah, he's not like hilariously funny. He's charming. He's affable, which makes him good for that kind of leading man role in a TV show. But this movie, you need like a Chevy Chase. You need yeah. somebody or well, a Chevy Chase in animal or no not animal in uh uh caddyshack you know like when he when he was good you or a bill murray you need somebody or i guess a fucking bill murray's brother from that fucking movie that you love. <laughs> if, if this was a joel murray vehicle it, you need somebody like classic. that you need like a you know a joel McHale. scott bacula is just a straight man he's just you know he's perfectly fine and and you know he works in in any movie, you can slot him, I think, anywhere, and he'd be charming enough. But he's not funny. 
he's just kind of a, a lump of nothing. He's just kind of walking through this movie. Uh, but yeah. It was a waste. It's not a bad movie. It's just a dull movie and a very uninteresting movie with, yeah, nothing really fun to talk about, unfortunately. Well, there is one thing I wanted to bring up. This has nothing to do with uh, necessary roughness, except I discovered it uh, in my Wikipedia research because uh, the same director, uh, who apparently did not direct that many films, uh, and uh, this was his last one. Um, he did Mr. Mom, uh, Man with One Red Shoe, and She's Out of Control, and then Necessary Roughness was his last film. I couldn't find... Uh, he died, like, a couple years ago, but I, I I couldn't find any reason why he retired. But uh, one of his first movies... Have you ever heard of Love at First Bite? Is that with George Hamilton? Yes, George Hamilton as Dracula. And I, I want to read this. This is kind of long, but it, it's the saddest thing I've ever read on Wikipedia. <laughs> Because if you go to the Love at First Bite Wikipedia section, there's a section for sequel. And I was like, I'm fairly certain there was not a sequel to that obscure, shitty movie. And so I'm going to read this. It's like two paragraphs. Uh, it says, Hamilton purchased the film's copyright from Melvin Simon Productions and has been very eager to make a sequel. In 2008, he stated, quote, it's terrific. It's all about old world school of Dracula in the Bela Lugosi 1940s up against the Twilight felons with humor. It's hard to do, but it's great fun. I think Twilight is a wonderful series of books. It's so important for these young girls with hormonal changes and this love that's worth giving your life for. But now I have to find a way to bring my love at first bite character into that kind of story and make it funny and not be at all like Twilight. And I think I found a way to do that. It goes on. <laughs> He later elaborated about the plot. His, parentheses my character's, son is a sort of perennial student in California, and he doesn't want to acknowledge his father, Dracula, at all, and he's getting married into a family of televangelists. Parenthetical laughs. George Hamilton laughed at himself at that thing. <laughs> he met this girl that he's in love with who's a zoologist in a cave somewhere. He was a bat in this cave in South America, so now Dracula's forced himself to come to Hollywood for this big wedding and bring all of his relatives who are pretty ridiculous people. There's a wonderful scene at the bachelor party in a strip club. It's great fun. The next note, to date, a sequel has not gone into production. <laughs> who, who is interviewing him? I have no idea. It just says it was an interview who, who in 2008. <laughs> Somebody who got his actual, like, not just the words that he said, but his exhortations as well. Just a random guy on the street. Hello, Mr. Hamilton. How you doing? Well, I just finished writing a wonderful screenplay. It's a sequel to Love at First Bite. Let me tell you the entire plot in detail. Are you writing this down? I just, sure. Is this like, was this just like his one passion? Like it was his favorite role? Like, has he been holding on to this Love at First Bite sequel script for years to this movie nobody gives a shit about? Or is it like, does he do that with everything? Does he have a sequel to fucking Eight Heads in a Duffel Bag? Uh, and I was just say, it's, it's either that or Nine Heads in a Duffel Bag. <laughs> I'm the ninth head, but I'm still alive and I'm talking. It's terrific fun. else. Larry Miller, Robert Loja, Senator Fred Thompson. Sinbad. Uh, a cast for the ages. Man, Kathy that was... Ireland. I, got, I think I talked... Yeah, I think we talked about everybody of note. I know, Tiny face. A, yeah. 
It's a shame, man. Sinbad and Kathy. You're telling me there's a movie with Sinbad and Kathy Ireland, and that movie sucks? Look, I'll give you Kathy Ireland because she's pretty, and I'm always going to go for pretty Kathy Ireland in a movie. But and I, she's a great actress. you got to give her that. <laughs> I you mean, give, Meryl Streep ain't got shit. I on feel Kathy like Ireland's line deliveries. I feel like she hadn't quite come into her own until Mom and Dad saved the world. Uh, yeah, but she's uh, she's animated to, animated to the max in that one. But I mean, she's fine in this. She's you know for what she, the movie demands of her. Yeah, they, they do absolutely nothing with her character, so it doesn't matter. But what I what I watch, I just want to say that I'm I I'm sick of even like paying half-assed lip service to yes-anding the idea that Sinbad is good. <laughs> Sinbad? Sinbad is good. I know you love the poster to House Guest, but Sinbad I sucks. Guest. I know uh, you do, because you're dumb. You also wanted to watch Necessary Roughness. That is true. Uh, Jingle All the Way, I liked Sinbad in. Um, he wasn't I, terrible in that. I just, I always like Sinbad. I can't think of a time when I... <laughs> I, mean, I can't think of a time when I've seen Sinbad and gone, mm, nah, not for me. No, I, I'm i always in a good mood when I see Sinbad. He seems like he's a perfectly nice dude. He seems like he's on board with anything, you know? He seems like he's having fun. And I'm not going to say he's, like, like as bad as Carrot Top, you know? And Carrot Top seems like a nice dude if you see him in interviews. And I'd, I've never seen his, like, live show. Maybe he's funnier, you know, live than he was in Chairman of the Board. I don't know. I'm willing to allow for that, but like, I'm just, I, I don't know, man. Like you keep, you keep, I feel like you keep trying to push these things on me where like, I'm supposed to like defend Sinbad. I, I, I in, in what world are you comparing Sinbad and Shakira Top? Notoriously is, shitty comedians. What? No. Is he notoriously shitty? I, when I was a kid. I had a, a Sinbad comedy special that I taped off a free preview of HBO that I watched a lot. And I liked that. Uh, it's not like I'm fucking following Sinbad on tour. I've really only seen him in like six or seven things. But I've, always, I've enjoyed all those six or seven things. I just, I feel like you have a habit of like, yeah, no, that's that's it. It's like like with Gallagher. Gallagher sucked too. But yeah, you watched him when you Gallagher. were ten. And I feel like it's the same with Sinbad. I, well, I was going to say, because like, you also, you like, you introduced me to Carlin, which is, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying is in that, that group, but like, I was just thinking of that because, I don't know, did you see the uh, the Carlin AI special? No. Oh, you didn't see that? Look that up on YouTube. It's called uh, George Carlin, I'm Glad I'm Dead. Uh, Will Sasso and some other guy uh, trained an AI on all of George Carlin's specials and then had them, that ran it through a George Carlin impersonating AI and just did like, they made like a new George Carlin special. I don't know how I feel about that. Oh, it's, I mean, morally speaking, it's horrible. They did a whole podcast where they like respond to the reactions and people are telling them like, you fucking robbed the grave, you assholes. But like, it's interesting to actually listen to it because it doesn't sound exactly like George Carlin, but it's enough of his cadence and, and, and sounds like his sort of flow that it's like reminiscent enough. But then like it 
it becomes self-aware of the fact that it's an AI. So like it starts making jokes about the fact that it's not George Carlin and like almost joking about how sacrilegious it is that it's stealing George Carlin. (laughs) Because that's just what the AI came up with because I think George Carlin would have probably done that if that was the case. But anyway, I was just thinking, I've been thinking about that because I saw it this week, but you know, I was like, do you think they could do that with Sinbad or Gallagher? I don't think it would work. I mean, I was wondering like, why are we even bothering with this? Why are we uh, trying to get entertainment out of dead George Carlin when we have an alive Sinbad who could entertain us right now? And why isn't he doing more stuff? Because apparently he's got tax problems, as we found out in the Good Burger episode. You'd think he'd be showing up more just to kind of make his money back. Hey, he probably tours. But what's he going to show up in? Necessary Roughness 2? Look, every fucking movie from the 80s or 90s has to fucking good burger too every fucking movie has to have a sequel 20 30 years later because we all fucking all we have is nostalgia because our lives are shit without our just the memories of of bullshit so yeah necessary roughness too kathy ireland comes back and she's still showering good burger was really his last movie i'm looking on it's you know a bunch of director video shit but before that, like, things were going great for Sinbad. First Kid, Jingle All the Way, House Guest, The Cherokee Kid. The Cherokee Kid's an interesting one, because I think that's, like, trying to be, like, a half-legitimate Western. Like, it's not a full-on comedy, I don't think. Uh, that's, yeah. No, it was, like, from 1995 to 1996, we were all in on Sinbad as a culture. And then we were like, oh, no, we don't want any more of this. You know, I'm pretty sure. I mean, I don't know about, like, like the Hawaiian guy, but, like, most of the big names of this movie are still alive. If they wanted to do a Necessary Roughness too, they could. Uh, yeah, except it, isn't Senator Fred Thompson dead? Oh, yeah, I think he is dead. But fuck him. <laughs> you, couldn't, you couldn't recast his role in this. No way. And Robert Loja. Uh, he's, he's Robert Loge is dead, but Hector Elizondo's still around. Uh, Larry Miller's still around. Scott Bakula's still around. You know, I think, I think the time is right for a Necessary Roughness sequel. Yeah, make it <laughs> Necessary Roughness too. The good one where we have jokes. Also, uh, the title to this movie has—I mean, it's a play on a football term, but like, they're never rough. Like, I, based on the title, I thought they were going to be doing, like, trick plays, you know, like, but, like, that's the whole point of this movie, is, yeah, it's a slobs versus snobs thing, but, like, we can't do anything fun, because we've established that we have to obey all of the rules at all of the time. Well, because there was a point, because I don't, again, I don't know sports, I don't know football, but, like, they say, like, uh, they lose half their team, and they're like, well, we have to play Iron Man style, which I guess means offense and defense are the same. Which yeah, I guess is how they used, with that. they used to do that way, but now they don't. Yeah, you have two. You know, you have a a team for offense and a team for defense. But I think back in the old days, you just everybody played because they say, yeah, they act like it's a thing that they're bringing back. Which again, I have no idea. Yeah, and like you, they could have done some fun stuff with like injuries or stuff, and like second string guys. Like, there's a lot of fun you could have had with this movie that they just forget to do. Yeah, and it's it's kind of it's almost fascinating to the point of like how 
mediocre doesn't even seem like a proper word for it because it's like it's not like it's not lazy it doesn't it feels like they made the movie they wanted to make but like i don't know why they wanted to make this movie rather than a good one yeah uh, they were striving for mediocrity and succeeded. It doesn't feel like they were trying to make a funnier movie and failed. It feels like they were trying to make this movie and succeeded, but who wants this movie? Yeah, just like the characters themselves celebrate at the end of this movie because they won a single game. The writers and director of this film were like, We made the most mediocre sports comedy! Woo! Like they're at the fucking premiere, high five and pouring champagne on their heads. Look at these scores! This guy said, I didn't fall asleep! This guy said, that was an adequate night out! Woohoo! Because that's the other thing, like, you mentioned the, like, the range of, like, Hoosiers for, like, on the serious side to, you know, like, a major league or slap shot on the other side. And, like, I could believe it if you were like, well, they were trying, they couldn't figure out which direction they wanted to go, so they ended up in the middle and, and ended up with nothing. But, like, it doesn't feel like that. It doesn't feel like they didn't know the approach they were going for. It felt like they knew that, and they wanted something mishmashed in the middle and nothing interesting. Yeah. Either that or, like, they introduced ideas, that they had too many ideas that they wanted to do, so they, like, just threw them all in but didn't follow through on any of them. Because they set up some interesting and fun stuff. They just, they don't pay any of it off. Yeah, I I don't want to keep talking about this movie to leave people with the impression that it's interesting. I know. <laughs> I'm good. Necessary roughness. Don't watch it. So I don't care that Sinbad's in it. Don't watch it. He's yes, I don't recommend it. it. And he's barely in it. He's barely introduced. It's just all of a sudden, yeah. You're a teacher, Sinbad. Play on this football team. Okay. Yeah, like, again, that could have been a fun thing, you know? The teacher's on the football team. I, 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 I guess maybe it probably wouldn't have been a fun thing. <laughs> as soon as I was like, that's got many comic complications, I was like, ah, no, it doesn't. Well, but like, <laughs> when uh, when Jason Bateman has to study, Sinbad's like going to be his tutor. And it's like, I'm wait- I was waiting for like a funny montage. But no, it's like the start of one, and then it doesn't happen. Yeah, that would have been fun. They got to keep their grades up, and Sinbad's on the team, so Sinbad's tutoring them. You know, turning the X's and O's into you give Sinbad the ball there. You just say, "Hey, Sinbad, here's a chalk and a chalkboard. Talk to the team. Sinbad will come up with something." There was, I w- I will say, one good solid Sinbad moment at the end when they're all celebrating. And he takes a moment to do a little dance with Jason Bateman. I did like that. You don't even, it sounds like you don't even remember this moment. I don't even, I can't, I don't even remember the moment. (laughs) Okay, well then that settles it. Um, I don't even remember the best thing Sinbad did in this film. Okay. Uh, All right, yeah, I'm done with Necessary Roughness. What do you want to watch next? I'm going to give you three options. And I think you're going to take one of them. The first option is we do Mango Part 2. The second option is we pull the trigger on Loquisha. See, but why do you want to watch Loquisha? Because uh, I would be worried that that's another other sister situation where it's like, it's not going to be fun to talk about how racist and horrible it is. See, but the thing is, yes, it is sort of that, but like... 
the the problem with the other sister is like they actually took it somewhat seriously whether it succeeded or failed it wasn't like funny this is trying to be a problematic comedy for people who don't know laquisha is a movie about a, a white guy who uh in order to succeed as a radio host poses as a black woman i think i can't remember if it's more complicated than that but it's it basically was... uh american fiction <laughs> but with but a just the guy. opposite yeah and i've just i've wanted to see it for years because i just i the idea that you thought that was a good idea not you but whoever made that thought it was a good idea <laughs> why are you blaming me I just I want to see what we the... watch the question. It says based on a story by George. <laughs> not even George Bailey, just George. You know just who George. You are. I wouldn't put it. Gonna put not gonna put my full name on it. So there's that. That's option number two. So Mango Part Two, Loquisha, or Love on a Leash, the movie where the lady fucks a dog. Uh, I don't want to watch that. <laughs> I'll do Mango or Loquisha. Well, then, care. which is it going to be? Which would you prefer? I don't care. It's your pick. You, you watched Sinbad play football. You know what, then? Fuck you. Loquisha it is. You made hey. your bet. I gave you an out with Mango, and you didn't take it. So now we're watching Loquisha. This is on you. I know you. it's my pick, whatever. This was your choice, and you chose Loquisha. Hey. Watch Loquisha, I suppose. <laughs> and then I we'll mean, take another six-month break. Here's the thing. We took three months off, and then we came back and we were like, Mango, wasn't Mango much better than we anticipated? And now it's like, we watched Necessary Reference, and we're like, can we just take another three months off? I just, I, <laughs> I have no energy to talk about anything. Does anybody care? Is anybody listening to this? Is anybody interested to hear our opinion on Necessary Roughness or Loquisha, for that matter? Uh, I'm sure there's someone out there. <laughs> there's someone who is like, oh, I was wondering what these guys thought about Necessary Roughness. And I was also wondering what they would think about Loquisha, just apropos of nothing. Huh. Well, I'm glad we're fulfilling this guy's wishes. Uh, is he jerking off to us? Probably. Alright, now that, that's it. That's all we're doing. Alright, well... So, that was a bit of a bust. But hopefully next week, we got something better. So, until we see you no, again... No, we won't. Hopefully. Oh, no, we not. won't have anything better. Oh, is not going to be good. It certainly will not. But until we see you for that, get off the shade. Somewhere in the night, inside my dreams you burn so bright. Let me love you there somewhere in the night.